This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? Wow, a little bit of a flourish there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put you on the spot. Yeah, well, I am good. I am excited for this episode because, oh, well, I always say that, I know, but this will be good. I think we have had a lot of questions around what to buy. That That is really starting to become the salient question as people get used to spending 24 hours a day in their, in their homes and people's job situations are hopefully starting to get figured out either the government is supporting or they're able to work from home a lot of people are seeing a lot of bargains Qantas is a very heavily discussed name in our group as is Carnival Cruises and Flight Center and and there's a lot of questions about is this a company I should be buying so we're not going to tell you what to buy because general advice only (laughs) nothing specific we don't know your personal circumstances and we are not telling you what to do (laughs) But we're going to talk about two really important factors that we think are going to be the focus of a lot of our analysis, and then we'll rip through some of our watch list at the end. Yes. So we're going to be talking about all things to do with the balance sheet, why it's important to look for a strong balance sheet, and also around earnings. And then what everyone has been waiting for is a watch list of what is quickly growing in in, in <laughs> quantity. So, Ren, the first question before we do get into the stock-specific stuff, the really juicy stuff, is around, I guess, firstly, getting cash in order before we talk about what we're going to do with that and what we look for. And we have spoken about emergency funds to begin, but do you want to address that? 
I mean, I think everyone sort of knows where we're going with this. It's only invest what you can afford to lose. And hopefully that message is loud and clear now after the last month and a half we've had. But now more than ever, it's important that you have an emergency fund and you've got the cash to support yourself if things go wrong. Because don't expect that you can sell these stocks in two months if you need to cover your expenses. Because for all we know, some of these stocks might be down another 50%. Mm. And yeah, it's just just get your, get your finances in order. And in particular, if you've got debt that you need to pay off... You know, like I know the government are now stepping in and they're freezing some things like mortgage repayments and stuff like that. That's fine. Yeah, but if you've got money freed up because of that, make sure you're on top of other debts. Like don't don't say I don't have to pay my mortgage so I'm going to throw it in the market unless, you know, you've sorted your credit card and stuff like that out. Just yeah. um, pay off your afterpay, clear your credit card. Yeah, don't do afterpay in the first place. <laughs> don't have a credit card well, in no, the first do place. because I'm a shareholder. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just get, get your finances sorted before you do anything else because the worst thing that could happen is your eyes get bigger than your wallet and you buy a whole bunch of companies and then you screw yourself in the short term. Then you lose your house, yeah. Yes, yes. So we've, we've sorted our finances, we have no debt, and we've got a bit of cash to throw in. Are we buying stocks? Are we buying indexes? What's the plan? It's a good question. What are you doing? As I have said, at this stage, I'm uh, doubling down on my index exposures. Yeah, you're but, the only bloody finance but, host that doesn't pick stocks. But very much <laughs> looking forward to... No, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm definitely going to be buying individual stocks, but taking this opportunity to really build fundamentals. I know you're keen on the, the stock picking, so let's get stuck into that well, side of things. This episode's going to be on how you think about picking stocks, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with that approach that you're taking. I've bought a little bit so far and a lot of it at this point have been indexes. And so if you just don't, if you don't want the stress of picking stocks, you could literally just turn this episode off. We hope you don't, but you could and just buy indexes and be live a long and comfortable life and just get some hopefully pretty good returns coming out of this dip. So you don't have to pick the perfect stock. You just don't. Mm. There's enough stress in the world at the moment. In saying all that, (laughs) (laughs) if you do, this episode hopefully will help you with your thinking and help you pick the right stocks. Yes. So before we talk about stocks, let's think about sectors, Ren. There are a lot of sectors that have been <laughs> smashed. Yeah, well, I think I think this is the first step. Yes. So everything we talk about here is going to be in the, the framework of long-term investing. It's going to be in the framework of something that you want to hold for years, if not decades. So there'll be a bunch of people that try and trade these swings and because volatility is back in a big way, but that, that's not what we're going to talk about here. So the first thing that you need to think about is, is this company going to survive in the short term? And then the second part is, is it going to thrive in the long term? And so when we start thinking about, is this company going to survive in the short term? The first thing that we probably should think about is the sectors and how they're going to be affected. And so that, that's what you were mentioning there. Yes. So there are obviously some sectors that have been absolutely smashed at the moment and from our point of view, are a bit of a red flag, potentially stay away right now. You know, you've got your airlines, you've got cruise ships, and then shipyards, travel has been absolutely pumped. Private equity, you want to give uh, a bit of an explanation around that one? Yeah, so 
private equity is a debt-heavy industry and a lot of what private equity have been buying are, you know, they've been leveraged buyouts of retailers and stuff like that or buying distressed assets in the hope of being able to turn them around. There will be some private equity players that come out of this really well because potentially they've just raised around, they have a lot of cash and they can deploy it at a really opportune time in a couple of months. But there will be a lot of private equity players that have are saddled with a lot of assets that they can't turn around or aren't producing, that have high debt loads, and things could collapse in on themselves very quickly. So I would just be very wary of private equity. And in the same way that everything else you just mentioned, it's not a don't buy, it's just a be wary. And yeah. You know, people, there's a lot of chat about Qantas and Flight Center, and people will probably make a lot of money on those stocks, especially Qantas, because a lot of the chat is that the government aren't going to let the airlines fall. You never know, though. You know, the government policy can change, or the covenants that come onto a bailout could be mm. very bad for existing shareholders. So you do have to be careful with that. But some of, th- some of those industries you know, could, uh, could bounce back in a big way. For, for mine, there's, there's just enough out there that doesn't have these Stay question away. marks. There's, yeah. so much, there's so much good, strong companies out there with amazing businesses that are going to grow. And I don't want the stress of wondering what ScoMo is going to do with Qantas. Mm. I don't need that in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then the questions are, what are the key elements that we look for? And there are probably two which we'll address, and that's a strong balance sheet and earnings, stable earnings. And to your point, Ren, there are a lot of companies that definitely fit into this at the moment and have great growth potential. So the question is, why is a strong balance sheet important now? And why is it one of the first things that you look for? Yes, Let's even take a step back. What is a balance sheet? It's a sheet that you can put onto a... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's really silly. <laughs> a balance sheet shows the company's asset position and cash position. Yeah. yeah. So it gives you a good understanding of uh, where they sit in terms of how much cash they have versus how much debt they have. Nice one. Yeah. And... Every company has to report on it. If you crack open an annual report, you'll see a profit and loss statement, which shows the you know the sales they're doing, the revenue, the profit. You'll, there'll be a cash flow statement, which is a deviation of the profit and loss statement in that it shows the actual cash leaving and entering the business. And then the third one you'll see is a balance sheet. And you'll see things like short-term debt, long-term debt, cash on hand, receivables, stuff like that. That page in the annual report called the balance sheet is just to give you an idea of the capital structure of the business, how much debt the company has, how much cash they have. You'll, you'll see things like shareholder equity, which is like how much value the shareholders own in the business. So yeah, there, there's a bunch of stuff there. Why it's important is companies with high debt and without the cash to cover that debt likely, well, not not likely to go bankrupt at the best of times because they can pay off their debt with profit coming in, but in times like this, a higher risk. Yeah. And 
the risk comes, just to make that very simple, if their revenue is absolutely smashed and if you take, for example, and I'm not saying their balance sheet is bad, I haven't had a look, but let's say Webjet, for example, it is very clear that their revenue is going to be absolutely hammered. The big risk that they have if they have a lot of debt is that they need to service that debt. If they don't have revenue coming in to service it, then they're going to have to start defaulting on loans or finding other ways to service those loans by raising more capital or whatever it may be. So the important thing here is understanding the relationship between their cash flow and their debt. Yeah. So if you're a company that has a lot of debt and you can't pay it, or first of all, you try and pay it. And to your point there, if you don't have cash coming in the door, you might not be able to pay it. The second thing that you might try and do if you don't have enough cash coming in the door is try and like refinance the loan or recapitalize the loan to get a better interest rate or to to push the payment date further down the line to give you more time to turn your business around, stuff like that. Unfortunately, credit markets are just in turmoil at the moment. No one knows what's going on. No one's going to want to lend to businesses in trouble. So if you don't have cash coming in the door and you can't refinance your loans, that is why your debt becomes a big issue. So the first part of having a strong balance sheet is having low debt, and in particular low debt relative to the amount of assets that you have on the book. And that's that's the second thing that we'll get into now. Cash is king. That's that's really the headline here. Cash or cash equivalents, I guess. Things that can be turned into cash very quickly are so important. And if you just think of it from a practical perspective, one, you can pay your debt off. Two, you can, you know, keep paying the fixed costs that you have, even if you've got no revenue coming in. So we both work in retailers and fortunately the supermarket sector is doing okay, but let's say we sold shoes and no one's coming to a shopping centre and buying shoes anymore. You still have rents that you have to pay. If you're trying to keep employees on, you still have payroll that you have to make. And if you can't fund that out of revenue, you have to fund that out of somewhere. And so having cash on your balance sheet gives you a buffer, essentially. It gives you time. It allows you to keep paying the bank, keep paying your payroll, keep paying your lease obligations before you have to really start making those difficult decisions or start shuttering stores or start laying people off or start defaulting on your debt. But Ren, I might look at a balance sheet and see that my company is very asset rich. We've got a lot of inventory. We've got a lot of other sort of uh, assets that are sitting on the books that uh, have a lot of value. Uh, I don't have a lot of cash. Is that still good? Well, it depends. How long is it paid to string? I guess... <laughs> my, <laughs> no, my, my, yeah, my, know, my point is around is, yeah. the liquidity know, side yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. So it depends, essentially. But in a lot of cases, inventory is not as good as cash or cash equivalents. And those two lines are split out on the balance sheet. So you can see how much is in cash and how much is, is, is in inventory. And it makes sense. Like if if we extend our shoe seller example, if we have no cash on our books, but we have $500 million worth of shoes on our books, that's great. It looks like we got a heap of assets. But if no one's buying shoes, you can't turn that into cash. You can't pay the bank with <laughs> <Try>. shoes. <laughs> yeah, try, try paying your loan with a bunch of shoes. Yeah, that's so, not going to work. So that's why the best line to have a lot on is the cash or cash equivalence line because everyone takes cash. Not too many people take shoes. But to my point about why it depends, there are some assets and some inventories that will be easier to liquidate, easier to turn into cash. 
if we weren't a shoe seller but we were a toilet paper seller, that inventory is as good as cash and you can probably add a zero to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just depends really. But it's a really good question. To take that even a step further and if we move away from inventory, so like the stock that you hold, and we go to things like property, plant and equipment, which are essentially your buildings, your land, the machines you use in your factories, stuff like that. If we're a vertically integrated shoe seller and we make our own shoes in our own factory in land that we own, we would recognise all those assets on our books, on our balance sheet, as property, plant and equipment. In some cases, they may be able to be sold depending on you know, what the demand is for shoe factories at this time, but it's unlikely that people are going to want to get in the shoe game when no one's buying shoes. So they're probably going to be harder to liquidate. There are probably some things you can do, like you could probably borrow against them. You could probably secure a loan against them to get some cash to keep things going. Potentially, you could convert a factory into, you know, what Elon Musk is trying to do and make respirators. So potentially, you could use that asset in another way to generate some cash. But again, it's not as liquid as cash. It's good to have. But if we're talking about a short-term crunch on these businesses, it's not going to be as easy to, to pay the bills with. So then cash is good and we know, of course... Debt is not something that should be looked upon as a bad thing. Businesses often need debt to finance expansion and growth opportunities or, or whatever it may be. The question, Ren, I guess is, are we talking, when I'm looking at these, is the relationship between cash and debt, is it a, a numbers game or should I be thinking about it from the point of view of ratios? It's a good question. It feels like you know the answer in the way that you asked it. (laughs) Yeah, so big numbers are big numbers and half a billion dollars in cash is a lot of cash and $30 billion in assets is a lot of assets. But those numbers are meaningless in and of themselves because they don't tell a complete picture. If a company has half a billion dollars worth of cash but their short-term debt obligations, the money that they have to pay to a bank within a year, is a billion dollars... Well, then that half a billion dollars in cash is meaningless. Unless they're making heaps of profit, then, you know, you're good. So ratios become really important here because they tell a complete story of the story of the business, essentially. They tell you what you need to know about the relationship between the different metrics. Yeah. Because we're talking... so, So there are some that people probably have heard a lot about. Debt to equity ratio and debt ratio are really common ones. One that I think we should touch on here and explain is the current ratio. And the reason for that is because what we're talking about here is a short-term liquidity crisis. We're talking about everyone being locked down in their houses for, let's say, six months. Let's hope less than six months, but let's say six months and the business having no cash come in the door for six months and having a whole bunch of costs that they have to keep paying. That liquidity crunch, that inability to get any cash through the door in the real short term, it means that some of their bigger assets that we were talking about before, their inventory, their property, their equipment, they can't liquidate in a short enough time. So what really matters is cash, as we sort of have mentioned a couple of times. What the current ratio is, sometimes you hear it called the liquidity ratio, it measures the business's current liquidity and its current ability to pay its short-term debt obligations. 
And so it takes its current assets, which is really its cash and its cash equivalents, and it divides it by its current liabilities. And current liabilities are the liabilities that are due within one year. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And so if you have a current ratio of one, that means that the, the current assets that you have Basically, for ease, let's just simplify this. It basically means the cash that you have can cover the debt that's due within one year. If your current ratio is more than one, so let's say it's two, that means you have two times the cash you need to cover your debt that you need to pay within one year. If it's 0.5, it means you have 50% of the cash that you need to pay your debt within one year. So when we're thinking... So at the top of this, we said... If you're looking at individual companies, you want to pick companies that will survive in the short term and thrive in the long term. The biggest thing to find companies that will survive in the short term are ones that have a current ratio that means if cash goes to zero, if sorry, if revenue goes to zero, if they're not making any money, they have the cash already on their balance sheet to survive. So we want a high current ratio. Yes. As high as possible. Yes, but not stupidly high because that <laughs> could be a red flag. So before we look at some examples of current ratio and debt to equity and the like, do we want to just quickly address the second element of a good balance sheet? Uh, sorry, the second element that we look for in companies that are going to survive and thrive, and that is stable earnings yes yes which in an environment like this is tough yeah 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 i think look we we've sort of banged on about earnings and you know moats and stuff like that a lot on this show so i don't think we need to go too into this but there just needs to be a thought to companies that can keep ticking over in this time period you know so they're not going to go out of business in the short term and then have the ability to you know, either keep customers through this through this period or, you know, draw customers back in really quickly afterwards. What you don't want businesses that basically have to start from scratch again. And, you know, companies that have strong brand loyalty or strong network effects or, you know, other types of moats are businesses that are going to be really 
good businesses to own through this period and out the other side because they'll emerge stronger and they'll be able to regain their footing quicker. If a business had really volatile sales numbers, if they had a really high customer churn rate, if they didn't seem to have a lot of brand loyalty or anything like that, potentially those businesses are going to take a little bit longer to find their footing out the other side and potentially the businesses that have strong balance sheets and then can get their earnings on track really quickly after this shock, they're going to be the ones that will be able to take advantage of whatever opportunities come out of the other side. And we know that there will be bankruptcies in in this period. We know that the economy is going to change massively. And there will be companies that win massively out of this year, that come out the other side, can acquire businesses for pennies on the dollar, can capture customers that their competitors previously had. And they're the businesses that you want to own, the businesses that can really hit the ground running and do well as a business and do well for you as a shareholder. So without further ado, we should have a look at what is on the watch list to give some examples of what we have been talking about, Ren. So we've obviously got a lot in of opportunity in the tech space. It'll be interesting to touch on some online retail and then, you know, more broadly have a look at what's what's available. So what are you looking at? So to kick this off, we're going to reiterate that nothing is advice. These are just companies that we're looking at and you need to do your own work, essentially. And as part of that, I think we're going to err on the side of throwing more names out there than less. So no one can accuse us of just putting one or two names out there and then people actioning that. Yeah? Yeah. So you mentioned the tech giants. Let's start there because we said cash is king and no one has more cash than these big tech companies at the moment. Uh, Microsoft, Alphabet, which is Google, and Apple all have over $100 billion on their balance sheets. They have $100 billion in cash or cash equivalents that they can use to pay their workers, pay their rent, keep the lights on, and maybe potentially make some big acquisitions out of the other side. So to give you an idea of some of these big tech companies and their current ratios, Facebook is 4.4. So it's got about four and a half times the cash on its balance sheet compared to the short-term debt obligations it has to pay within the year. Alphabet, 3.3, Microsoft, 2.8, Apple, 1.6. So they're all very cash rich. They have the, the cash to pay whatever debt obligations come due within the next year and then some. So that's a few companies. Do you want to throw some in there? No, Ren, continue. I've got one to throw in a little later. One other tech company that is interesting is Oracle, which just is a free cash flow producing machine. Mm. So that, that's another one that people might want to do some research on. If we move away from tech, obviously a big winner in this time is going to be online retail. My attitude, I don't know what your attitude is. I'm not trying to buy companies that are just going to do well in the next six months. I, I'm, not tr- I'm not trying to get into you know Zoom video communications, which a lot of people are getting excited about, or you know, some of these online gaming stocks and stuff like that that people will people think will do well because everyone's locked in their homes. I completely understand why you would do that, but I just want to invest for a longer period of time. But I think there are a few online retailers or people connected to that online retail space that will do well, not just in the next six months, but in the longer term. So Amazon's obviously a massive one. Amazon's a big one, both for its online retailing business and then Amazon Web Services as the economy changes in the next six months and people do more stuff online. Amazon Web Services will likely get more business as people spin up stuff really quickly and don't want to build servers themselves. 
Uber is an interesting one, which has kind of been punished before coronavirus and in the early stages of coronavirus, but their stock has gone up big time since their CEO came out and reminded the market that they have $10 billion of cash on their balance sheet and another $2 billion credit line that they can draw on. And I would hazard a guess that the Uber Eats orders are going through the roof. Yeah. Speaking from my personal experience, I can, <laughs> uh, I probably have contributed to that stock price uptick just in my increase in orders. So I think Uber's an interesting one. Shopify, which do a lot of the back-end payments infrastructure for small online retailers, I think is an interesting one. And then Walmart and Kroger in the US, Coles and Woolies in Australia. The UK and European retailers, supermarket retailers, don't excite me as much because it is just competition central in there. The German discounters have just slashed and burned their way across Europe. I think especially Walmart is a massive company that looks to uh, looks to benefit here. So the online retail and the supermarket retail space is interesting. You want to throw any in? What about Marley Spoon, for example? I'm interested to see how they go. They even publicly traded? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, publicly traded and I'm not sure. I mean, they have a relationship with Woolworths. It'd be interesting to see. Jeez, their share price was up 83% from Tuesday to Friday last week. Well, there you go. So you can understand people are probably looking to for alternative ways to get food to their front door. Wow. <laughs> what about some of the other big hitters in Australia? I mean, for me, top of mind, you've got Treasury Wines. Yeah, Treasury Wine is trading at a price to earnings of like nine at the moment. So that's a big one. They have the Penfolds brand within their stable of wine. They have been sort of hit because of the impact of China. Well, China was, yeah. was one of their big markets, but good opportunity there. They've got a current ratio of two and a quarter. It's 2.25. That's so, good. So it means that they've got cash. I think they've also got heaps of inventory that they're trying to shift, which it makes sense because, you know, everyone's making it tough to export at the moment. But, yeah, I think Treasury Wine is a very interesting one and it's probably at a price that you haven't been able to get it for for a long time. More than five years, I would guess. My stock pick to beat CBA in terms of its market cap was CSL. Yeah. It's another one that is probably <laughs> providing some good opportunity. You know, the crazy thing is, though, so just on the metrics that we're talking about, their current ratio is 3.2, so similar. The crazy thing about CSL is have a guess where its current share price is, like when it hit that before. What? <laughs> so, so you know how with Treasury Wine Estates, I said, you know, it's probably at a price you haven't been able to get it for five years. Mm-hmm. Where do you think CSL, which is now in like the 270s, where do you think it last hit that? Hit 270? Yeah. Quite recently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going like, to say within the last three months. Yeah. Like the start of the year. Yeah. So even though it's fallen from, you know, it's fallen $60, that's how much it ran from. Oh, it went the, nuts. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's crazy. What else? Brambles, I think, is an interesting one just because it's trading at a P of like eight and it's got it's got some cash on its balance sheet and stuff like that. ASX is potentially an interesting one in Australia. Just there seems that volatility's back, which is, you know, good for its derivatives and futures and all of that. But I just think ASX gets paid on activity. And so I think they'll do quite well. CME Group, which owns the Chicago Exchange in America, will do very well out of this volatility as well. And then there's there's probably a number of exchanges around the world that will also do quite well just out of this increase in activity. When we interviewed Elon last, he was talking about making an ETF, BetaShares making an ETF of exchanges. 
Did no, that no, get... no, that was that was a competition. Yeah, yeah, but I thought yeah. they were going to do it. No, I don't think so. Oh, I really? think it was just yeah, it's just a competition. Ah, oh, I yeah. would have probably bought that. <laughs> anyway, Elon, if you're listening, make it. <laughs> I obviously have a bias for overseas, so a lot of the other companies that I am looking at are. Overseas, so do you want me to just punch out some names yeah, really yeah. quickly? Yeah, smash through it. Caterpillar, the big heavy equipment manufacturer, mm-hmm. trading at a PE of nine, a current ratio of one point five, and you just see Caterpillar everywhere. Similarly, John Deere, which has been smashed recently, but they're doing a lot in precision agriculture, which I think is really interesting. Trading at a PE of ten and has a current ratio of two. Just kind of throw out some names that I think are interesting at the moment with their discounts. Disney, uh, Dr. Horton, a big home builder in the US. Spotify, I think, is interesting. Yes. Tesla, potentially controversial because as oil prices fall, that makes internal combustion engines more attractive. Mm. But potentially Tesla is going up against a bunch of automakers with really shocking balance sheets. sheets yeah. yeah. And so who knows? Like the US government bailed them all out in 2008, 2009. Will the US government need to bail some of them out again if no one's buying cars for the foreseeable future? McDonald's, I think, is interesting. It's just a giant business that will keep going. Home Depot is a f- it's like the Bunnings of America, for those not familiar with the company, and it is just a free cash flow generating machine. Mondelez, the big FMCG company, people are going to be stocking up on Oreos and other snack foods. So in the short term, they'll do quite well, but they're just a great business with a, some strong brands and strong moats. Similarly, PepsiCo, I think, a similar argument. Bayer, I think, is interesting. Mm. Activision Blizzard, I think, is interesting. One gaming stock that has a really strong balance sheet and potentially is interesting, Las Vegas Sands, strong exposure to Macau and Singapore, which are big gambling hubs. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch of others, but... Nice, Ren. Yeah. Now, there's there's a big name that we haven't mentioned, but... And what's that? Thought I'd leave it for you. What's the big name? Uh, the biggest of names. <laughs> yeah, come on, bro. Of I'm piles. so surprised yeah. that you haven't, <laughs> haven't put Berkshire Hathaway yeah, in there. Yeah, there we go. Well, you know. One of the big heavy hitters, in an, and in a time like this, you would expect with so much cash on their balance sheet, what were you saying, $120 billion? $120 or billion, yeah. Thereabouts, that you, you'd be expecting Buffett and Munger to be making some purchases in this time. This is the event that he has been waiting for and I'm very excited to see what he decides to do with such a large sum of money. You as a shareholder, assuming, would equally be as excited. But I guess watch this space. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for him out there. And they've also taken a bit of a beating. So if you are looking to get into Berkshire now, might be an opportunity to do so. Yeah, nice. I also think, sorry, just cut me off when you've heard enough companies. I also think Visa <laughs> Wait, and Ma- that'll be very soon. <laughs> I also think Visa and Mastercard could like they're very interesting long-term plays, I think, and you know, you're probably not going to get a chance to get them cheap. I think just companies with moats, companies like Nike and stuff like they're going to get smashed in the short term as people stop going to stores and buying, but I think over the long term they'll do quite well. Nike has a current ratio of about 2, so they'll they'll be fine. There's just so many companies out out there like adobe stuff like that like paypal like potentially they're they're good buys if they're cheap like there's just so much i think the message is that plenty of opportunity to find these good strong brand big moat sort of companies Ren, to your point there are a lot of out there 
And this is where the ETF game comes into yes, play. Yeah. You can get access to a lot of these companies through ETFs, listed investment companies as well. So don't feel like you know you need to go out and buy every single one of them because you can do so in some very effective trades as well. So think about your ETF composition as well as LIC composition and can probably benefit reasonably well. But like Procter and Gamble, Unilever, like strong brands, all the American banks, Wells Fargo, JP yes. Morgan, yes. Goldman, Bank of America. I'm going to cut right off there. There's plenty of opportunity. <laughs> Don't you just read the list no. of the S&P 500? <laughs> no, that's the point. The S&P 500. But not They're even like also look at Europe. Like Europe's been smashed at the moment, but there's interesting companies there. Australia has interesting companies. Long story short, plenty of opportunity. Should we do an episode where I just read company names? No. <laughs> so there's not much to really summarize there. And we've, I guess the key key message is strong balance sheet, yeah. plenty of cash to be able to cover what is going to be a pretty tough time over the next 12 months or so. Make sure they have the ability to service their debts and come out stronger on the other side, especially relative to their competition. And also look for these opportunities where companies have absolutely been smashed, but to Ren's point, strong brands that have good moat, competitive advantage, and without doubt should come out stronger on the other side. One thing that I forgot to say, sorry, a lot of the metrics that you're going to see are going to start looking very attractive. You're price to earnings, your price to sales, stuff like that will start to look very good. You have to remember that a lot of those metrics are trailing 12 months. So they take the last 12 months of earnings and then they apply the current price. Earnings will be downgraded. Sales will be downgraded. Even for companies that are largely shielded, if 20% of a country's workforce loses their jobs and loses their income, that will affect companies that even just sell online. So when you're looking at some of these metrics and doing your analysis, unless you're doing the work to project down what the earnings are going to be, and that might just be as simple as looking at the company's earnings updates because they'll probably have to update the market on what their earnings are going to look like. Just take those ratios with a grain of salt. Yeah, nice. Well, Ren, we'll leave it there. Plenty to talk about. If you haven't listened to our bonus episodes I've been releasing over the last couple of weeks, definitely do so as we check in with some experts to get their thoughts on what's going on. Join us on our Facebook group and also hit us up on Instagram. Follow us there if you don't because we're keeping tabs on what's going on there as well. So always good to chat, Ren. We'll yep, leave it there. Love it. Talk Ex- next week. Everyone stay safe out there. Yes. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.